Guys, this is Craig Hostetler coming to you. Uh, this is episode number 18. And uh, yeah, man, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. Episode 18. This is the episode uh, just prior to the, uh, to the holiday known as Christmas. Yeah, so this is uh, the Christmas episode. And I am just uh, coming to you from... The Underground, uh, which is this, uh, and I think I've uh, posted pictures in the past on Instagram. <clears throat> um, you can find me on Instagram, uh, Craig Hostetler, or at the Black Sheep Experience. And uh, it is just this kind of this back uh, part of the basement. It's got a real cellar kind of feel to it, you know, concrete walls and the whole thing. And uh, I have um, uh, candles back here, and I have old stage lights, right? Red and uh, blue and green stage lights with albums hanging on the wall <laughs> and all this stuff. It is, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a cool kind of place. And so that's where I record the podcast. Now, from time to time, as you're listening, you will hear, you probably just did, um, background noise go in and out. About 15 feet away from me is the furnace, and it's chilly. It's cold where I'm at. I don't even know what the temperature is uh, this evening, but it is uh, pretty cool outside, and so that thing is kicking off and on. I don't even notice it anymore, but every once in a while, I'll hear it on the podcast, and uh, yeah, so it's like 30 degrees, which I, I think that's cold. But anyway, man, so this is the episode uh, prior to Christmas, and uh, yeah, so I thought we'd talk a little bit about that, and uh, that 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 whole thing. A couple of things before we get started. Um I need, and I say this every podcast, that uh, should show you how important it is. I need you to um, jump online and follow me on Instagram, Craig Hostetler, The Black Sheep Experience. Follow me on Instagram. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Facebook. Um, it really makes a huge difference. And when you hear a podcast that you enjoy, please let your friends know about that, okay? Um, yeah, we don't do, uh, I don't have, I don't have a budget really for advertising the podcast. So this is just a, uh, what do they call that? It is a, uh, I can't think of the, of the phrase now, but, um, you know, I, I do it because of the love of it, essentially. And so, yeah, I need your help. If you could, please let people know uh, that, that we are out here and follow us and share us and all that kind of good stuff. Okay, a couple of things, man. I am sitting here in front of an iPad Pro, a uh, Snowball microphone, a couple of candles, and I am... Let's see here. I've got... A beverage. My wife and I, let's see, I, we bought some weird 
I can't remember. Mary Berry Ale. And uh, it's by Slafly. Uh, It's pretty good. It's like a Christmas beer type of thing. So I'm down here chilling with one of those. And uh, my wife is upstairs doing all kinds of Christmas stuff. And uh, before we get into the discussion, uh, dude, I actually... Uh, I can't stand Christmas, <laughs> but I do a day or two, maybe three or four days prior to the actual day, uh, after all the Christmas crap is bought and, uh, just everything that goes with it. There's a, there's a day or two, like kind of a chill, you know, where everything sort of slows down. You can actually enjoy the season and so we're getting close to that and and I'm just now I don't listen to Christmas music until like a few days prior ah dude I'm an angry old guy I gotta turn this thing around but anyway I thought um I don't know what you guys listen to there's a couple of cool things first of all let's see here uh Yeah, that's cool. Christmas music, right? You guys got to have some favorites. This is a cool tune. This is uh, Dina Menzel. Uh, This is off of her Christmas album. And this is a cool song. She's got an awesome voice. And so I've been checking this one out over the past just day or so, right? But I think it's kind of cool. It's kind of chill. Got a nice feel to it. Nice. Okay, hold on. Let's see what else I got here. Kind of cheesy. You got This is... Have a holly jolly Christmas. <laughs> yes. It's the best time of the year. <laughs> I don't know if there'll be snow, but have a cup of cheer. All right. That's nice, dude. That's Michael Buble. Let's see what else I've got. Oh, man. Do you guys like this stuff? Oh, wait a second here. I think this one's kind of cheesy, actually. I'm not sure if I like this one or not. This one might be overplayed. I have it on the list, though. Uh, let's see here. Actually, I don't think I can do that one. Uh, That one, I I can't handle that one. Anyway, uh, yeah, so I'm checking out uh, some Christmas stuff. Do do you guys have favorite? You you guys should jump on my Facebook or Twitter or Instagram and uh, tell me what you dig. Tell me what you like. 
You know, try to find... If you guys don't like this one... Man, you got problems here. Let's see. Here you go. Uh, so you can't beat this one. Elvis, dude. See, you can't, you can't beat that. Okay, okay. Yeah, so uh, I have been doing a little bit of that the past few days. Like I said, I'm not a huge Christmas fan. Uh. But I'm getting to that place where I can tolerate it a little bit, right? Uh, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. I was trying to find... Uh, here we go. There you go. Yeah, it's a heavy metal Christmas. Alright, that's enough of that. How do I... There we go. Yeah, so there you go, man. There's a couple of... Jump on my uh, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever, and tell me uh, your favorite Christmas song. Let's just do it. I know that that's totally cheesy, but it only comes once a year. I hate the holiday as it is. So let's have a little bit of fun with it. So anyway, that's what I've been listening to. For whatever reason this year, Adina Menzel and Michael Buble, is, is that how you say his name? I think so. I, I've been enjoying that. Okay. Ah. All right, a couple of things here. Um, there is, what I'd like to talk about today is something that's really kind of been I guess really uh, uh, stirring, you know, up within me, and that is there's this interesting misnomer uh, in the world today, and that is kind of the idea that Christ is the name of a man, and it is not. Most people uh, know about Jesus of Nazareth, but they don't know about the Christ and why the, why the two names, Jesus and Christ, are connected to one another. And they also, they are connected to one another, and in another way, they are not connected. And that's what I want to talk about today. Um, I also think that many would limit the action of the Christ to the actions of Jesus, which are mighty and wonderful, and they are a pattern, a display of who God really is. Uh, but Jesus the Christ is bigger, right? Bigger than Jesus the man, bigger than a baby in a manger, uh, bigger than a man on a cross, bigger, 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 right? Uh, bigger than the entire cosmos, bigger than theology, than thought. In fact, the whole thing is in Jesus the Christ. Now, let's for a moment separate Jesus and 
Christ. And I want to bring this around uh, to, to, to the event um, of the birth of Christ here in just a moment. But hang with me for a second. Uh, okay, so Jesus is essentially a guy who has a set of societal parents known as Jesus and Mary. And I know the theology behind that, but hang with me for a moment. His mother is Mary. His father is Joseph. His birthplace is Bethlehem. He is known as a Nazarene. Um, So a really cool point to note about Jesus, whom is without question. And I really say this proudly. Uh, I'm a huge Jesus fan. Huge Jesus proponent. I think he is uh, absolutely amazing. The most prominent the most influential, the most controversial, the absolute most progressive rebel renegade persona ever. Jesus is, and uh, I think, and hold this thought for a moment because it's uh, it's really important. Jesus is, uh, gee, dude. A badass? I mean, I I know that's a horrible way to describe him. But Jesus is so prominent. His words are so powerful. His his actions, um, the things that he does in the time period and the time frame with which he walked um, on on the earth, they're so bold and they're so striking to the core that there's no one like him. Not in all the world. Uh, never has been. And in my belief system, uh, never will be. The most influential man ever born, worshipped, uh, followed by millions, billions of books written about him, inspired, authored because of him. Wars have been waged, sadly, because of him. Societies have formed around his name. Universities, major multi-billion dollar universities uh, have been formed around his persona. And still, and think about this, I mean, really ponder this for a moment. His beginnings uh, by mere cultural progression, by cultural acceptability, um, are less than acceptable and, and suitable. Uh, in fact, by all cultural norms of that day, Jesus has a real kind of a <laughs> white trash aspect to his birthplace. Uh, he's definitely from the disenfranchised part of town. The identity uh, that he comes from is kind of this racially profiled segment of society, a part of town or community where your street address defines who others perceive you to be. And you see this oftentimes through the Bible with statements like, can anything good come from Nazareth, right? Um, and this is where I think it gets really interesting. This is where I think God shows a beautiful side to who he is. Um, God chose and uh, chose, right, in all caps. If you were texting this, you would say God, if, you know, especially if you're like dictating to your phone, God, all caps, chose. Uh, 
the most mundane of ways to bring forth uh, what we would call the Christ, the Messiah. Essentially an unwed mother um, born in the pretty insignificant place of Bethlehem, witnessed by farm animals and shepherds. Shepherds, and you could check this out, um, are really considered the lowest of the low. Criminals, outcasts, that kind of thing. He's a Nazarene. Um, culturally speaking, Jesus is a little bit, he's got a little bit of a white trash air to his pedigree. I don't now we could get into the theology of that. I'm not talking about his lineage. I'm talking about the things that describe who he is, where he's from, who his parents are, that kind of thing. How interesting is that? So you have Jesus the man. Christ is actually a title which means Messiah or the or the anointed one. So when we talk about Christ or the Christ, we're talking about something that existed even before the man Jesus existed. So wrap your idea around that for a moment. The idea of Christ found in Christianity, um, this originated in, it was a concept of Judaism. Uh, it was written about extensively, in the prophets, the Psalms, the Christ would be the Messiah prophesied about in what we now call the Old Testament. So the Messiah who was written about, who was believed in, waited on, was something every Hebrew person believed in and, and was looking forward to. Now, uh, this is important because it is bigger than Jesus the man. So it isn't Jesus Christ, it's Jesus the Christ. Does that make sense? Now Peter, the apostle, who is Jewish, actually called Jesus the Messiah in the New Testament book of Matthew. This is Matthew 16. Um when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you? Jesus asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter, which is Peter, answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Verse 17, Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Now, interesting to note here. Um, first of all, this may be the first time Peter or any of the disciples called Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. Secondly, ah, and, and hang with me, don't let the... Uh, don't let the, I guess, comfort, commonality, um, knowledge, the closeness, the proximity of this story, don't let that waste the power of it. Okay, so 
according to Scripture. The disciples came to believe Jesus was the Messiah. According to Scripture, Jesus believes he is the Messiah, the Christ. So a quick recap. Jesus was a man born in interesting and lowly circumstances. He's the most prominent and influential human in the history of the world. There is this powerful, divine, and mystical being talked of, believed in, written about in what we call the Old Testament or the Hebrew Scriptures, and that is this individual called the Christ. Christ means anointed one, uh, and the Christ is the Jewish people's long-awaited Savior, the Messiah. Jesus and his disciples believe that Jesus is this Christ, this Messiah. Okay? So you're following me so far? We got this dude, Jesus, and he is uh, really does not come from any form of prominence whatsoever. Um, we have this Christ figure who the Jews have been waiting for thousands of years, who they believe in, who the Bible prophesies about as early as the creation of the world. And Jesus the man and Jesus' friends whom we call the disciples, they all believe that he is this Christ. Yeah. Now, Luke chapter 2, this gets even cooler. This is where we get to the Christmassy part of this, <laughs> of this podcast. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. Uh, quick pause. One of the things... One of my favorite practices, traditions uh, on Christmas Eve is uh, in the still of the night, uh, you know, the lights are on on the Christmas tree, but no other lights are on in the house and it's quiet and everybody's in bed. I have always loved to imagine, because you know, whether you like the holiday or not, and, I, and I'm not a huge fan uh, there's always an air. There's always some kind of a sense of magic in the atmosphere. Uh, at least for me. Th th there seems to be a special feeling uh, on the eve of, uh, of Christmas. Yeah. I know magic's a bad word for some of you, but that, that's kind of what it feels like. Like there's something special in the air. And I'd like to think that maybe the shepherd's felt something prior to the event. Have you ever had that where it just feels like something there's something special about the night or something special about the moment and then it presents itself? I often like to feel like maybe that was the sensation. If you can imagine these shepherds uh, they're out in the field, they're away from town, it's dark, the only lights around are uh, the stars above them, the moon. Uh, you can hear sheep uh, making, you know, sheep no noises. Yeah, and uh, 
So in the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. I'm sorry, this, this story kind of makes me laugh. But the angel said to them, This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Uh, wait a second, I left a part out. Okay. And the angel of the Lord uh, uh, suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened, the Bible says. I love that, dude. You know what I I love about the scripture, what I love about the Bible, and it happens a lot, and we miss it because it just becomes, we're we're so familiar with the words that they lose their potency. Uh, so the angels appear to the shepherds. Imagine an angel shows up and starts talking God talk, right? And uh, basically the Bible says it scares the hell out of the shepherds. That's funny to me. Because of course it would, right? If an angel shows up and the glory of the Lord uh, uh, shines around you, of course you're going to be terribly afraid. And I love that. I love that the author includes that. I just think that is so. Uh, I think that's the human side of the Bible. For, for some reason, uh, we don't ever pick up on right. We we pick up a lot on the miracles and uh, some of those kinds of things. But a lot of times, I think we miss that the Bible tries hard to include humanness in the storyline. And I I like that. I think that's awesome. Uh, Yeah, because these guys, of course, they would be afraid. They've never seen anything like this before. Uh, It's shocking. It's supernatural. It's mysticism at its best. It is a moment that uh, defines their entire existence. Uh, Their entire life before this moment fades in the glory of it and their life after this moment um, it springboards from it like nothing will ever be the same for these guys again so angels suddenly appear you have these written accounts in the Bible think about what this book is asking you to believe. Angels suddenly appear in the fields. The Bible says the glory of the Lord was all around. The shepherds were afraid. Um, And the angel knows this enough to say, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and proclaim this baby in a manger, in a stable, right, is the long-awaited Messiah. So the story here is an account. It is supernatural. It is nearly unbelievable. It is mysticism at its most unimaginable, and it is completely divine. 
So this Christ story, present as accounted for in the New Testament, starts out with an act of God that is reported as an account, as a truth. Um, Angels appear, if you can use your imagination, um, and they say, uh, that this is what they saw. Now, now, also interesting <clears throat> is Matthew 2, uh, the wise men. First of all, these guys uh, are called magi, <clears throat> which some people translate as magicians. They see a star, and the star indicates to them that a king was born. Okay, so... So far, here's what we've got. We've got uh, shepherds in a field. We've got angels. We've got heavenly hosts singing praises to God. We've got uh, a baby in a manger. We've got a virgin birth. We've got all this stuff. And now we have these magi. These guys see a star. And the star, <laughs> the star tells them to follow it to the king and they do it now what's interesting about these guys is uh, they're astrologers so deal with that for just a moment you know we're so I love how we're so decided on everything like astrology and I'm not a huge fan of astrology I'm going to tell you but interestingly enough God uses and some people will debate this, but if you, it's pretty clear that that's what these guys are. They're astrologers, and they're following signs in the sky, such as stars. And that's what these guys are doing. And so these astrologers read the signs in the sky and realize that a king has been born. And so they follow this king, they follow this star to the king. Now, what's also interesting is that an angel later on shows up to the astrologers and tells them uh, that they need to go home a different way. (laughs) Jesus the man, the incarnation, limited to time and space. So there's something natural and normal about the flesh known as Jesus. And at the same time, there is something supernatural, all-powerful, and divine about Jesus the Christ. Uh, Jesus as the Christ, eternal, divine, omniscient, omnipresent, uh, the image of God, the Lamb of God, the Anointed One, the Christ, the beginning and the end, the creator of all things. He is the all in all. Um, It's really an incredible story. It, it, It really has an incredible and powerful message to it that calls us to a very interesting style of mysticism that says this 
Jesus is much more than, much, much more than a theology, much more than a belief system, much more than um, a gathering point. He is, according to the Bible, according to what Jesus believed about himself, what the disciples believed about him, the accounts written that we call scripture, which by the way, and this is not what we're going to talk about, um, you know, the Bible is not a book, it's not, it's not systematic theology. The Bible instead uh, is the heartfelt convictions of men who are writing letters to other individuals. Some of them were accounts of the Jesus story. Others are uh, belief systems and ideas, personal experiences about uh, Jesus. You know, the uh, you'll see a lot of the Gospels refer to the Messiah as Jesus, and um, they give the story of this man's life, where the Apostle Paul who writes epistles, not accounts of the life of Jesus. He often refers to Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. So the Bible is calling us to believe. It's telling us uh, that the authors who penned these letters that we now call the Bible, they believed that Jesus was this long-awaited Messiah. Yeah, that, that the angels showed up in a field and spoke to shepherds. That the Holy Spirit overshadowed a young woman named Mary and she became pregnant with the Son of God. That angels showed up in dreams and told people which path to take home and where to go to from here, and that uh, this man, Jesus, who is the Christ, he uh, came from heaven. Before the world was, he was. Turned water into wine. All these, uh, all these interesting aspects. You know, one of the things that I find I think sometimes sad about the Christian experience is the loss of mysticism, the lost, uh, I'm sorry, the loss of Jesus as the Christ. We know so much about Jesus as the man. We know so much about Jesus as the theology. We know so much about Jesus as the... Uh, the belief system, you know, the, the icon of our faith. But how much of us know Jesus as the experience? You know, whenever the Apostle Paul said, I, I, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. Now, there's a lot of ways that that can be interpreted. And there's a lot of ways that that could be dissected, segmented out. But the Apostle Paul is one of these really interesting individuals and his personal experience with Jesus is based on 
the resurrected Christ. These other guys experienced Jesus in the flesh when he was a man. Now, I'm not taking away from the divinity of Christ, Jesus, uh, as he was a man. I'm just saying that uh, they could touch, uh, they could feel, you know, they could reach out and grab this man. When Paul the Apostle meets Jesus, it's an incredibly powerful, supernatural moment in his life. And to the Apostle Paul, Jesus is, without question, the Messiah, this mystical, powerful force that moves the heavens, uh, that breaks through the barriers of spirit and physical, the the physical and the metaphysical. Paul is uh, certainly one of the first Christian mystics to walk the planet, to write letters. And oftentimes, sadly, his letters and his words get uh, really just all the spice gets taken out of them. You know, they, they, they just kind of become this bland uh, a stew of theology of what we're supposed to believe and and uh you know all that stuff man dude ah uh, we've talked about this so many times before some of you you really need to just become horrible theologians and leave behind so much of the crap the apologetics the you know systematic theology and and it's just ridiculous because what you're doing is you're cheapening the Christ. You're cheapening the Messiah. You're cheapening the mysticism of Christianity to simply a belief system. And for Paul, it's much more than that. It's experiential. And if the Christmas story cheaply called, but that's what we're going to, that's what we're going to say for our purposes. If the Christmas story is anything, it's experiential. It's shepherds seeing angels, uh, hearing angels sing songs of praise, getting direction from angels on what they need to do, getting direction from angels on what they need to do about Jesus Christ. I mean, who does that? Your, your hardcore theologians don't do that. They're so dry and, 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 uh, like a desert inside. There's no mysticism left in that. They don't communicate with angels. You know, the Bible says, be careful about how you treat people because sometimes you are, uh, uh, how does it say that? Entertaining angels unaware. Dude, you start talking about angels today and watch your average everyday Christian. Watch their eyes get wide with shock. And why is that? Because we've robbed Christianity of its mysticism. Mary, Mother Mary, um, conceives a child and she's a virgin. How much more experiential do you need? For Mary, the move of God requires her to carry this child for nine months, give birth to it, protect it, and know that it's the Messiah. You hear songs like, Mary, did you know? Of course, uh, of course she knew because she experienced it. What about Joseph being called to believe in things that he couldn't hardly believe in? And then an angel shows up in his dream and tells him all about it. And, and these astrologers being directed by God. What is God doing uh, uh, working with heathens? Oh, sweet lamb of God. It's so offensive. <laughs> <laughs> 
I just think, man, that in so many ways we have destroyed the experience of Christ the Messiah. And we have traded it for Jesus the theology. And his resurrection, it's textbook only. It's not a reality for so many of us. And I'm not saying that it's it's purely a reality for me either. Certainly there's parts of my faith, especially in the past, that were... Uh, the support system was theology. The relationship was theology. The relationship was textbook. The relationship was education. But that's not the true Christ experience. That's not what Paul was looking for. He wanted to know the living God. You know, as we approach, and I don't want to turn this into some weird Christmas devotional type thing, but if you look at the story of the birth of Christ, it is so fused with supernatural. It is so intertwined with things like angels, the glory of God, the voice of God, um, getting words from the divine in your dreams. Uh, all this stuff that mostly is experienced only within the New Age movement nowadays. And oddly enough, mysticism, and this is going to be a good quote, mysticism is the birthplace of Christianity. Mysticism is the birthplace of Christianity. The wild and the unrestrained is the birthplace of Christianity. The metaphysical, it's the womb of Christianity. Absolutely. Angels communicating with humans. God speaking divine things to people in their dreams. Uh, following stars to the will of God. On and on and on and on. The Christmas story is... I mean, it's... It's about the worst theology for... <laughs> for a denominational person that there is. There's all these wild and unrestrained, new-agey, weird, magical, mystical things occurring at the birthplace of our faith. You know, I've always said, and as a pastor, I said this a lot, and people sometimes understood it, and sometimes they enjoyed it, sometimes they didn't. Christianity, as its truest experience and exercise, is the most mystical faith. It's the most mystical belief system in the entire world. Christianity proclaims that God lives within us. Christianity proclaims that God produces what we call good fruit. Christianity proclaims that God gives us supernatural gifts, you know, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, healing. Christianity 
uh, uh, proclaims that the Holy Spirit lives within us, that our spirit and God's spirit become infused in this way that it's hard to tell where one begins and the other ends, that the divine, the supernatural that created all the world, you know, the Apostle Paul says, in him we move and dwell and have our being. It's the most mystical faith the most mystical belief system in the entire world. And you know what? For so many people, they've turned it into nothing more uh, than formulas, really. It's weird. It's such departure from that crazy, messed up night in Bethlehem. It's such a departure from astrologers seeking stars. It's such a departure from angels bursting forth in a dark field and singing songs of praise. Uh, Yeah, it's a departure from all of that. But the invitation, I think, continues throughout the scripture to know the living God the supernatural God to return uh, back to where it all started. Faith, the supernatural, back to mysticism, back to divinity, back to the voice of angels, back to all of that crazy, messed up, weird stuff. Uh, you know, I think one of the reasons people leave Christianity is just because it's so damn boring. And, and and what a shame, because in its original form, the place from which it came forth. Dude, it's the wildest, most outrageous, experiential, supernatural, spiritually divine mystical story ever told yeah man so dude that that is episode 18 now look I'm not uh, I I know the origins of uh of this holiday and I know you know that that there's a lot of pagan stuff from where it came from and I get all that and I'm not trying to detract you know anything from anybody's belief system or their ideas but I do think what it stands for today is this incredibly cool holiday that started with an unbelievable amount of uh, the divine bursting forth uh, into the human experience, right? Yeah, so this song, dude, this is my favorite Christmas song that there is. And I think it's because it talks about that whole thing, you know, that... that whole mystical moment so let me say something to you there's few people that uh, detest this holiday as much as I do 
I don't like it, man. But there's one thing I do like about it, and it, it it's the callback. You know, it's the callback to mysticism. It's the callback to believing in something, you know, incredibly divine, incredibly supernatural, incredibly outer-worldly. It's taken me a little while to get back to that. Honestly, man. Even as a as a as a former Pentecostal, you know, and 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 so much of our experience was predicated on supernatural experiences, but you know, so much of that was just practice, was just weird. You know, there there was a time period there where so much of the God story died within me. So much of the Jesus uh, story died within me. I became very distant from Christ, very distant from that whole Jesus thing, man. I was just so burnt out on it. And it was just so rudimental. And there was nothing interesting about it. And it was just until really a few months ago I started picking up the Bible again and reading it, I think, with like some fresh eyes. I even hate that that word, the Bible, but it's it's the most descriptive language I can use to describe the uh, texts that I am speaking of. But as I begin to read it and I begin to read the words of these guys, you know, what they believed and what they thought and, and the experiences that they had, a new interest started kind of uh, starting to bubble up in me a little bit, you know. I started becoming, I don't know, kind of in love with it. Anyway, man, uh, that's it. I didn't mean to make it cheesy by playing that stupid song. It's not stupid. I love that song. But that song, to me, it uh, it really captures that, that moment that I'm talking about. And, uh, yeah, man, so that is it. Dude, that's episode 18. Listen, um, I've said it a million times, but I want to continue to say it. I love you guys, man. I really do. I love doing the podcast. I love sharing my heart and, and communicating. And uh, I love knowing that you're out there. I know that uh, asking for affirmation is about as lame as it gets. But i got to tell you, uh, when I hear from you guys, uh, man, it means a lot to me. I, I really I really mean that. It means a lot to me. And uh, so reach out. Let me know that you're there. Hey, you guys. Uh, no matter what your belief system, Merry Christmas. Uh, let me offer this invitation back to not theology and not a label, but back to a story where God disrupts what we perceive to be the human experience. Uh, let me welcome you back to the wonder of the divine, man. Merry Christmas, guys. God bless you. Done. <laughs>